Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today, I'm so excited that our group's pastor, Pastor Kim, we're going to be continuing in our Immerse series, and so Pastor Kim's going to be bringing this week's word. Would you welcome Pastor Kim as she comes today? Good morning. You know, we have lots of wisdom in our lives, don't we? And different kinds of wisdom. Um, And each of us sees the world through our realm of experience or the way that we take things in. So some of us think, do things right the first time and you don't have to do it again. Some of us think, do things as fast as you can the first time and you'll have time to do it over again. Some of us think, do to others as they would have, as you want them to do to you, and do it first, and then you'll be able to help them be nice people. Some of us think, there's a way things look, and if you look the right way, people know what to expect, and they will be more accepting. Some of us say, you know, We all have trauma, but you don't really get healed till you get down there and dig it all out and deal with it. Some of us grew up with, we all have trauma, so keep going and it'll get dug out as you go. Some of us think the most important thing is to know that you don't know everything, but all the knowledge is out there. Get other wisdom from other people. And some of us know that the world's just a little bit dangerous, so you should always keep your eye open. Some of us think there is no reason for all this negativity in the world, and we should just be able, if you focus on the good things, you will find that there's a lot of good in life. And your attitude can help dictate those around you. Some of us say strong leaders are what people follow, and you can help them best if you are strong. And some of us say, can't we all just get along? (laughs) Those are all different perspectives in life. We all have different personalities. And sometimes those are what we base our lives on. Those are wisdoms that we have. Then we pass on wisdom through our stories and through our attitudes. So not only do we pass on wisdom by having our children live in those basic life messages that we give, but... Then we pass it on through stories. So um, a hermit was meditating by a river when a young man interrupted him. Master, I wish to become your disciple, said the man. Why, replied the hermit. The young man thought for a moment, because I want to find God. The master jumped up, grabbed him by the scruff of the neck, dragged him into the river, and plunged his head in the water. (laughs) After holding him there for a minute, with him kicking and struggling to free himself, The master finally pulled him up out of the river. The young man coughed up water, gasped to get his breath. When he eventually quieted down from that coughing attack, uh, the master spoke, tell me what you wanted, what you want most of all when you were under the water. Air, answered the man. Very well, said the master, go home and come back to me when you want God as much as you wanted air. See, these are sayings that you might have heard in one form or another, but today we're going to look at the life of one, of one the Bible indicates had more wisdom than anyone else. 
Have you been enjoying the Immerse series? I have. The Kingdoms uh, section of Scripture is my most favorite section of Scripture. I love it because you sh it shows God's character in so many different ways. And I learned as a young child, I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere, and Good News Club was my um, church for all of elementary school, but I read my Bible, and I learned the character of God by reading my Bible over and over. And these this were the stories that resonated so deeply in my heart. So um, I'm loving this. King Solomon, you read about, or you will read about, we're in 1 Kings chapters 4 to 16 this week. And so King Solomon was King David's son. And King David, we know, was a man after God's own heart. The Bible tells us that. King Solomon was his son, and he was a man who lived in God's blessings. King David sought God. He, he brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, and he danced with all his might, not caring what anybody else was thinking. He wanted to celebrate God, and he wanted to build a temple for God. And God said, no, you've killed a lot of people. There's a lot of blood on your hands. It'll be your son who will build my temple. So Solomon was the son that would build the temple for God. And when he first took over as king, he worshiped God at a high place called Gibeon. Now, everyone in the world knew that to worship a deity, you needed a significant place, often high places, so that you could have better access to the deity. That was the common wisdom of the day. And in Leviticus, though, the Israelites were specifically told to take their sacrifices to the tabernacle. God designed the place where he wanted to be worshipped. But throughout Israel's history, we see people following their neighbors and supplementing God's direction, offering sacrifices at the places that everyone knew was the proper place to worship a deity. So of course God would be honored, right? But Solomon was trying. And here's a very interesting point. God met him at Gibeon, even though it was a high place, even though it wasn't the perfect place, which at that point would have been the tabernacle. He apparently saw it as the heart that, uh, he apparently saw that Solomon's heart was turned towards him, that Solomon wasn't trying to do it his own way, but his heart was turned towards God. And the more I study God, the more I think that's what he's looking for is a heart turned towards him. So, he, God spoke to Solomon. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want to, me to give you. And Solomon answered, you've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness in him and given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child not, I, and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count our number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? 
the Lord was pleased with Solomon and asked for, that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you've asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor for asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will be, there have never been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. For moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both in wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime there will be no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Interestingly, in our view, this is how things are done often. Those that blessed by God get power, money, and charisma. They're sought after. They go viral. They're blessed. Solomon was blessed, but he missed some key things that his father, King David, had going for him. And he was receiving his blessing mostly because of his father, David. David, being a king after God's own heart, had lots of battles. Every time he reached a pinnacle in his life, he found another challenge. Anybody tired of that one? Right? He fought Goliath, and then Saul hated him and started hunting him down. He reached a point where the, his leaders of leaders could fight all the battles, and he ended up fighting his own lustful nature and losing in each season, we see God molding him, keeping him close, and when he erred, he quickly admitted it and turned to God. But sometimes, like us, he was blinded to his own error until somebody pointed it out. But when it was brought to his attention, he didn't defend himself. He said, you are right, I messed up. Please forgive me. He turned towards God and not away from him. He didn't try to manipulate God or appease him. He and God had a true relationship. He trusted God. Having grown up in this, Solomon understood part of it. He understood that God was a source of help. However, he didn't seem to understand the humility or the true relationship parts. Before Israel ever thought of having a king, God had outlined specific rules for the kings. Solomon's their third king. Here's the rules. The king must be chosen by God. He must be an Israelite. That one's not hard. He must not acquire lots of horses for himself, and he for sure should not send people to Egypt to get horses. He should not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate great amounts of silver and gold, he is to write a copy of the law for himself and read it regularly. By the way, awesome discipline for young children. I'm just saying. Writing sentences was one of the best disciplines I ever came up with um, because it starts to write on their heart after a while. He must not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law. Solomon broke every one of these laws. He built God's temple, and everyone could see that God had blessed Israel. God gave Solomon great wisdom, and even kings and queens from far away wanted to hear what he had to say. That's the BC version of going viral. When we see, as his life progressed, that his troubles came 
as disciplines for not following God. Solomon teaches us that being the wisest person in the room doesn't get us to God. There are a lot of earth, there's a lot of earthly wisdom out there. And if it's our focus, if that's our foundation, then we will miss God. He also teaches us that being the best person that you can be won't get you to God. Solomon was a fantastic leader. He used the resources of Israel to bring wealth to the nation, but he relied on his God-given abilities instead of seeking that personal relationship with God. The one thing that Solomon and David had in common was that they were fallible. They were just humans like you and I, and they made mistakes. However, we see in David's life we find that when he was quick to reestablish a deep relationship with God, the natural consequences were painful but quick and not long-lasting. Solomon didn't repent from what we can see. He used his own wisdom and resources God had given him to find a way out. Therefore, everything he built was torn down really rapidly. In the next generation, that's his son, All the tribes were ripped away but one and given to someone who was not of the line of David. The one tribe that was there was there because God had promised David that his descendants would sit on the throne forever. And we see eventually this fulfilled in Jesus who was born of the line of David and is now seated at the throne in heaven. And when Jesus returned to heaven, he released the Holy Spirit who is available to us at any point in time, all we say is help. He's actively working in the lives of those who don't know him to bring them to him. Now Romans 8, 5 through 7 reads, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Now here's the problem, I think. In the church, there are those of us who are more like Solomon than we are like David. We've got all the wisdom of following Christ, particularly in America where we had for years our ethos was uh, basic Judeo-Christian ethos, which means the rules and, you know, treat other people the way they should be treated and all that. So we think we've got it. We think we have access to God. But we block him because we rely on our own wisdom. David was a mind governed by the Spirit. He made lots of bad errors, but he accepted and welcomed God's correction and refocused on God. Like a child learning, when he erred, he turned to God and got back in right relationship. Solomon was a mind governed by the flesh. He worshipped God in that he acknowledged that God was the source of his wealth and wisdom. He even went to church on Sundays. Oh, I mean, I mean. He honored God through sacrifices. But at the heart of it all, he broke all of God's rules for the kings and he relied on his own wisdom. Solomon didn't seek that personal relationship. God was a deity to be placated to him. If he did everything right, 
then you were right. And if you were right, then what you did must be right. Now, interestingly, I was thinking this morning that one thing that Solomon did, we see how his leadership was so amazing. He really did have good wisdom for us to understand. And his leadership was amazing. He, he had people over every area. He, rose, he did a good job of lifting people up into, into the jobs that they were created for. But he lifted himself up. And it, the Bible doesn't tell us that he had people that he was open to. We see in the Bible where David was open to Nathan, where David had his three mighty men, and he had the whole troop that was with him. These were people that were with him. But Solomon, we just don't see that. And those relationships are important to us. If no one knows your heart, then you need to fix that. You need to be a friend to somebody. Find somebody else that doesn't have a friend and be a friend. Because opening your heart to other people is one of the best ways that you can open your space in your heart to be able to hear the Spirit of God. Being honest about who you are with another person opens you up to be able to hear what God is saying to you. Because we all have walls up of one way or another. That wisdom that I talked about at the beginning, that's often the source of our walls, whatever that is. Do things right the first time. Things should be perfect. Study and know everything. If you know everything, people won't bug you. All the way around. Those are different personalities, and those are usually the source of our ways that we say, I'm going to protect myself. And we keep ourselves distant from other people, but we also keep ourselves distant from God. Interestingly, Solomon wrote a lot of Proverbs. And he, in fact, it lists thousands of Proverbs on every topic, basically. But we know that he wrote Proverbs, or Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 is attributed to him. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will set your path straight. So he had the, we often have the knowledge, don't we? And we say the right things, but it doesn't filter out into our lives. But let's break this down, because it is true wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. First, trust in the Lord. Trust means that just more than just believe that God is God. It means that even when you can't see the way, you walk towards God. One of my favorite visions of this is Peter walking on the water and a big wave gets between him and Jesus. And what happens? He looks at the wave, which often we do. But what, happened, what would have happened if he kept his eye on where Jesus was and kept walking knowing that? That's always our goal, right? But also, even when you see an obvious path, but God didn't point it out, you avoid it. Because you only go where God tells you to go. And you don't go where it seems best. There is a way that seems right to a man, and in the end it leads to death. It means that you trust God and don't do what seems right to you. You wait for him to show you the way. Scholars have lumped the areas where we tend to lean on our own understanding into three areas. Money, sex, and power. So, you know, we went from general talking to meddling now. 
Money. We need money to pay our bills, and it's easy to see our worth as equal to our net assets, or lack thereof. We can get so focused on what we have, and what we own, and what we need to pay the bills, or what we need for retirement, that we start to follow the wisdom of those around us. We can be so focused on money that we feel like we have to compete to look the part of those around us. And this leads to debt. Solomon was given great riches. Way back in the beginning of God's relationship with Abraham, God made it clear that he was blessing Israel so that they would be a blessing to the world. Solomon used his surplus to make himself a palace that was even more grand than the temple that he built for God. And then he looked at what other successful kings did and built up his horses and harem, breaking all the rules. He married the daughter of Pharaoh, even though God expressly said don't marry outside the tribes because they would be drawn to other gods. But in worldly wisdom, this was a smart move because it made an ally of Egypt. Likewise, we can get so involved in money and how we use it that we fail to even give God the 10% of our income that we give to show that he is our king. That's what the tithe originally was. You gave 10% of your income to show who was your provider. This is the person who's, who's providing for me. And so they gave 10% to the king, but for Israel, they gave 10% to God. And when we give our tithe to God, we say, you are my provider, you are my king, I follow you. But we can get so focused on involved in money and how we use it, that we fail to give God that 10%, let alone use the wealth that he has given us to make a difference in the lives of others. You have what you have to make a difference in the lives of others. God has given you a home to be hospitable to others. He's given you what he's given you in excess personality and excess Wealth in excess time because he wants you to be a gift to the people around you. We lean on our own understanding instead of trusting God with our resources. Sex. We long for relationship, don't we? And being well-connected to God's self and others is the result of a life lived in relationship with God, listening to his spirit. Being in good relationships is a result of that. However, we're easily swayed by popular opinion on how to gain favor with others. And we start to go off the rails. We start to see people as assets and commodities to be used instead of people to know and be known by. When this happens, our view of sex becomes completely sideswiped, and we stop looking for connection and start looking for ways to make ourselves feel good. The Bible indicates that sex between a man and a woman is an illustration or a symbol of our relationship with God. But when we lean on our own understanding, sex becomes a tool and it becomes about what we get out of it instead of letting ourselves be known. To be vulnerable to God and others is a place of trust and we need God's guidance and support to do so. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. If he met with one of them a day, it would have taken him 2.74 years before he met with the same person twice. That doesn't smack intimacy to me. Power. We all want to be heard. And the person who's heard the most is the one who makes the rules, right? Yeah. 
Power is something we either want or we're frustrated when we don't have it, especially in the U.S., where we expect a certain level of lifestyle, a certain level of respect, a certain level of autonomy. So when we lean on God and trust Him, we may get power, but we see it for a season and for the use of our set of skills to further what He's doing in the world. And when we lean on our own understanding, then we see that those with power make the rules, and so we either spend our energy seeking power instead of God, or we spend our energy trying to keep power instead of using what God has given us to bless the world and help others see what God is like. Solomon used the power he had to build his legacy and ended up destroying Israel. From that point on, Israel has been a divided and often scattered nation. Money, sex, and power aren't bad things. They're things that we are often find easier to trust than God. But they are gifts from God to help us show the world what he's like. But when we lean on them and trust them, they become idols. And an idol is anything that you trust instead of trusting God. When we turn our hearts towards God, we block ourselves from being, when we turn our hearts from God, we block ourselves from able to, being able to hear his voice and do what he says. We might hear his voice, but then the voices of reason, what everybody else says, drowned him out. So let's, that often, by the way, is when we come to church on Sundays and we say, yes, that's right. And then we find on Monday, we've completely forgotten where our heart was on Sunday and we're back living in our daily lives. Let's read the scripture from Romans again. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, and those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, and the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will set your path straight. We all have areas that we tend to lean on our own understanding. Do you have a difficult relationship? What earthly wisdom are you holding on to? Are you trusting God? But it's time to think through, where's my heart in all this? Are you concerned about finances? Are you trusting God, letting him have the first 10% and learning from him how he wants to use your resources? Or are you stressing the markets, leaning on trends and hoping to make it through? God will send you good advisors and we want his wisdom. But first we have to trust him with our resources. What about power? Are you able to trust God in this realm? Are you seeking after relationship with him first? What about relationships? Are you able to just release people to God and let him work through you, even if it doesn't sound like what you think should happen? If you said you're good in all those areas, then where's God nudging you? You can't live on planet Earth and not have an area of life that you're tempted to not lean into God in. It's part of our development for spending eternity with him. Here's how I've learned to turn these areas over to God. 
You can't really fix them yourself. You need God to do it for you. So when God shows me an area that needs to be changed in my heart, I say, God, I give you permission to shift this in me. Pastor Dwayne taught us the Amish prayer of letting go and then receiving what God has. This is a little bit different. It's God, here's this area that I keep holding on to. I keep finding it. It's easier to trust than you. I give you permission to work on this area in my life. I give you permission to change my heart and help me be more like you. And when we do that, he does it. It's amazing. It doesn't take forever, but we start to see that whether it's events, whatever he uses, he shifts our heart so that we start to trust him more. And then he gives us a new area and says, trust me. Jesus, we put our hope and we put our trust in you. And we all fail at that. And so, God, we pray that you would touch our hearts and show us what you want to work on this week. Lord, we want to live in your presence and in your blessing. And we don't want to let your blessings hide you from us because we look at them instead of you. And so, God, we pray that you would help each one of us to trust you deeper. And I pray that you touch each one of our hearts during this worship time and show us where you want to work. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we sing of your goodness, your faithfulness, oh God. Lord, help us to internalize that word, trust in the Lord with all of our heart, that we wouldn't lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways we would acknowledge you. You are faithful to direct our path. Amen. Didn't Pastor Kim deliver a great word today, a wonderful word of the Lord, to trust in the Lord, and to follow him. Before we head in, this is our benediction. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.